0: If you would, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to pick up there. Pray real quick. Lord, we are just so thankful. Jesus, you're the only one worthy of our praise. You said if you're lifted up, you'll draw all men to yourself. Why? Because, Lord, you're so loving, you're kind, you're gracious, you're so good. You know everything about us, Lord, and you still love us. And so we just come to you this morning. Uh, and, and we want to hold on to your promises, hold on to your truth, we want to walk in them. Uh, I pray this morning, God you would teach us uh, speak to our hearts, Lord you know all the all the churnings in our hearts and in our minds, the things we're thinking about, uh, and I pray that God you'd just meet with us in Jesus name amen so chapter t- chapter three of first Samuel. Uh, We've been looking at a lot of the failure, of chapter 2, of, of Eli as a dad and how he, how he didn't raise his kids properly, didn't restrain them. He was all talk and no action as a dad. But we see the rise of this young man, Samuel, this young boy, who in chapter 3, uh, Josephus says is probably only 12 years old. And he's a bright spot. He's going to be the next prophet and a long line of prophets that God is going to raise up uh, to bring this nation from the darkest period of its days to the brightest, right? Just one man, how God is looking. The Bible says, you know, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the earth to find one man, to look for a man, somebody that he can show himself strong on his behalf, right? Just one person. If someone's willing to give their will, their life, Lord, take it. What do you want to do with me? So it says this in verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare. If you have King James, it says precious in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. It says that's the third time it says that Samuel ministered to the Lord, right? We talked about it last week. I'm actually going to turn there in John in just a minute. Uh, But amazing, I think it's so important because we should be servants, right? That's one of the exclamation points for you and for me as a Christian is that we're servants. That's what Jesus came not to be served, the Bible says, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And the Bible says that we're to walk in his footsteps, to walk as he walked, right, as servants. Uh, And it matters, right? Because Samuel could have said, who am I serving, man? I, I'm serving Hophni and Phineas, these wicked priests. They're terrible, man. I'm here scrubbing toilets or I'm here cleaning up after them. Why do I have to do that? They're terrible. Well, I think the the reality for you and I, we need to remember who we're doing it for. Who are we serving? It says they minute he ministered unto the Lord. He didn't minister necessarily to Hophni and Phineas to Eli. He's serving the Lord. Right, you might look at at anybody's life and say, gee, I'm in here. You know, we got some pretty faithful people here at the church that serve. And you might look at one of the pastors or someone here and say, gee, we're cleaning the toilets. What's wrong with him? How come he can't get in here and do that? You know, why can't he do some more work around here, you know? He's, he's watching a basketball game, you know me? uh, Maybe, I don't know. And you can start complaining. Like, what's going on? Right? You've got to remember who you're serving. I remember hearing a pastor one time, um, say, Chuck Smith, you may may know him. I remember re- reading about it and hearing stories. You know he was he was always upset with people who were smoking because they'd smoke, and then they'd throw their cigarettes butts on the ground. And it was happening at church. Uh, and he'd walk around like complaining, like, what who would do this? It would throw their cigarette butts on the ground here. And he'd be picking them up, putting them in his pocket. And he'd be grumbling and complaining. And, and one day the Lord's like, Hey, who are you doing it for? He's like, you, Lord, who else? <laughs> you know, I'm doing this for you. He says, Then quit quit complaining. Quit complaining. If you're doing it for me, why are you complaining? Right? And that's the reality when we serve. We, who are we doing it for? Who are we doing it for? Because that matters. That, that'll give you the right heart moving forward. Like, am I serving? Harley or, you know, someone out, these, these students. You know, a lot of people serve at the school. And you could say, man, am I serving these kids? They disrespect me. They, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, because kids can be disrespectful at times or, and disobedient. And then you get a little upset, right? Who are we doing it for? So he, he ministered, and it's important. So here's the scripture, if you turn with me real quick to John chapter 13. Simply serving, it's part of our testimony. It's part of your Christian testimony. It's part of who you are. Being a servant. John chapter 13, it says this, verse 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, and the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, says this, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that he girded himself with. And Jesus answered, uh, and it says that uh, Peter, Simon Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, he knew what Jesus was doing. Jesus was literally taking the lowest place of a servant in a house. Like not, That's what people would do. People would come in, and you might have a servant in your house in those days. And you'd come in, and you'd walk through this world, right? Walk down the street. If you're not watching, you know, if you've ever been on a mission trip, animals are walking where you're walking, You might step in something, and these guys got open-toe shoes on, sandals, whatever. You might step in something, and Jesus takes water and begins to wash their feet. Even Judas, which is amazing. And Jesus told Peter, he says, hey, what I'm doing now you don't understand, but you will know after this. And Peter said unto him, you'll never wash my feet. And he says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he who was bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is he completely clean? He says, you're clean, but not all of you. He's speaking, uh, verse 11 says, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. Speaking of Judas. So when he washed their feet, he had taken his garments and sat down again. He said to him, do you know what I've done to you? For you call me teacher and Lord, And you say, well, for so I am. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. You should follow me. You should learn. He says, if your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you ought to wash the feet, one another's feet. If I've done it to you, that's what I want you to do. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. I'm not just telling you to do it, and I'm not doing it. Jesus said, I did it first. And greater than that, what does he do? He goes to the cross. That's his sacrifice, right? It's a great testimony to serve. It's your witness. The Bible says we're living epistles known and read of all men because people aren't going to grab a Bible and read it. They're reading you, and they're reading me. They're reading our lives. You're the one that says you're a Christian at work, at the gas station next door at the restaurant, leaving your tip, whatever it is, how you're treating people. You're the Christian. They're not grabbing their Bible and saying, gee, they're supposed to tip me better, or they're supposed to talk to me nicer. They're reading your life. They're reading who you are and who I am. We're living epistles. I got an email this week. Uh, our, our school, I didn't get the email. Rachel got the email. Uh, our school, we have basketball, you know, modified, JV, varsity. Well, our JV boys last year only had a couple games, so we decided to get into Section 5 with some public schools and play against them. Uh, they're very good, by the way. Uh, so, But we did that. We played Wellsville was one of the teams. They came here and, and beat us. And we headed down there, and, you know, we were kind of excited. And we didn't tell our kids anything like, hey, when, we, when you leave, make sure you clean up you know when you leave make sure you're nice to people or when when you leave you know we want to you know we've we've always we always say that but we didn't you know put the exclamation point point on it like you can do as parents when you go somewhere like be on your best behavior these you know we didn't do that i didn't do that um and rachel the next day got an email it says thank you for traveling hey hello rachel Thank you for traveling to Wellsville yesterday for the basketball game. I wanted to reach out and let you know how appreciative our custodial staff and our coaching staff were of your parents and athletes. They showed great sportsmanship during the game. And at the end of the game, the parents and athletes from your school helped to clean the gym. This has never happened in Wellsville. And we're very thankful for their help. I just wanted to let you know how much we appreciated it. So thank you. They didn't have to send that email. And we didn't even ask ask our kids to do that, right? But what a testimony you can be by doing something so simple like serving. I think Jesus kept it so simple for the disciples because we can be pretty thick-headed like, how am I going to witness? i got to have five points because I know this guy is a, you know, whatever, evolutionist, so I want to know everything. i got to order some Ken Ham books and, you know, whatever. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he told his disciples in the book of Acts, You'll be my witnesses. You'll just be my, you'll not go witnessing. You, you, you don't have to bring 50 tracks with you, which isn't a bad idea to have some tracks on you, but you'll just be my witnesses. You'll be a witness wherever you go. If you're like me, if you walk in the steps I walk, that's, that's how you be, become a witness, right? Wow, that guy doesn't swear. Wow, that guy doesn't steal. Wow, that guy doesn't talk about me behind my back. Actually treat me nice. Wow, that's different. What you're supposed to be. And it's not hard to be. You're supposed to be different. And I'm supposed to be different. So this chapter, this verse in this chapter of Samuel says a lot. It also tells us where the nation was at that time. Tells us where you could be at this time. He says, Samuel ministered to the Lord. He served before Eli, but he served the Lord. And it says, and the word of the Lord was rare or precious in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. That's an indicting statement that the word of the Lord was rare or precious, right? A precious metal is something that there's not a lot of, right? It raises the value, right? Michael Jordan rookie card. Right? There are different things that have value because there's not a lot of them. And, that, and unfortunately, in Israel in those days, it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Right? The word of the Lord in your life, in my life, needs to be premier. It, we need to know what the Bible says on issues, abortion, sanctity of life, being a mom, being a dad, being a husband. In a wife. What's the Bible say? What, is it, what, what instructions does it have for me? I can tell you one thing. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? Right? You guys know the answer. Jesus said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy heart soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, and, and, and this is part of it, though. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? You can't flip-flop that. Number one, don't love your neighbor first. The only way you can do anything else is loving the Lord first, right? But you have to. What Eli was doing, he was loving his kids first. He messed it up. He held them above. He elevated them above anything he had between him and, him and God. I think Eli was probably saved. Man, he just messed up as a dad. And the repercussions were these kids that went sideways. It's unfortunate. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 18 says, Without a vision, people perish. Vision and the word of God go hand in hand. You want vision for your life? You don't want to know how to be a dad, a husband, a provider? comes from the Bible. It's in the word of God. Right? If you're not in the word of God, all of a sudden your priority of your life can be, I'm going to be the best provider in Wyoming County. I'm gonna, my kids are going to have all the toys in the world, and you know what? There's no balance there. And they might take all those toys and never walk with the Lord. Who knows? You need to be uh, uh, someone who raises your kids in the ways of the Lord. And the nurture, the Bible says, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, right? You need to ch- correct them. You need to be with them, walk with them in their life, and help them along the way. doesn't mean just give them whatever they want. You might be an amazing provider, but you're maybe off balance. Are you reading to your kids? Are you correcting them, instructing them, doing what they need? to be done in their life, right? That's why the Word of God is so vital. It's our GPS for this life. It's the vision we have for this life. It's the only way to keep going in this life is the Word of God. Super important. That's the reason that everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. That was the end of the book of Judges. There was no king in those days, and everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. I thought I needed to be the best provider. So that's what I did. I thought I needed, you know, to have fun all the time or be entertained or more, to- whatever it is. We can label sins and all kinds of stuff. Listen, they were off track because everyone just did what they wanted to do. There was no authority in their life comes from the Bible it has to if you're lost discouraged you want to know where to go from here it's in the word of God you're going to find it in the Bible it has the answers turn turn with me to 2nd Timothy for a second 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is Paul's final words to Timothy. Paul has been a pastor for, for three decades now. And he's weeks, maybe even days, before being beheaded. These are his final words. This is it for Paul. Like when someone's about to die and they can communicate with you, they're not going to ask you how the bills are doing or how's the weather or how's the... They're telling you the most important things on their heart and, and, and for you moving forward, whatever. The most important, the weightiest things that they can talk about, that's what they're talking about. And Paul tells Timothy this. He says, I charge you, therefore, and that word charge is, is actually a legal term, a term that they use in the court system. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's our two witnesses, God the Father and Jesus Christ. And he says, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So he's throwing a lot of weight on this statement, what he's about to tell Timothy. He says, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. The Bible. Right? Preach the word, Timothy. Timothy. Be ready or instant, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long patience, long suffering. Being patient, right? Because why? Because we can be a little thick-headed sometimes. So we're teaching the Bible. It's premier, but listen, Timothy, be patient. We all listen at different rates. You know, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. They all, you know, some I can say, "Hey, go do this." Then other ones, you know, it's five times later. Like, Did you do that? No. What? What do you mean you didn't do that? Right? Preach the word, not just out of the word, not randomly. You know, expositional preaching. I think is 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 why we do it. We just take a book and we go right through it. If you go right through the whole Bible, you'll get. As many times as God talks about tithing, marriage, being a husband, being a wife, you'll get a full balanced diet in God's word if you go through it. Convince, rebuke, exhort. It says this, here's the danger, that the time will come when they they won't endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, their lusts, their passions, their wants. Because they have itching ears, they'll heap for themselves teachers and they'll turn away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. He says, they'll find themselves teachers, pastors, to tell them what they want to hear. I don't like it there. They tell me about sin. They tell me that I shouldn't live this way and I don't like that. I want to live the way I want to live. That's what was going on in the days of Eli and Samuel. And they'll heap to themselves teachers, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Right here it comes. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Listen, Paul lived his life on this earth sold out to Jesus Christ, right? Just 100% all the way, knowing that it's like a wick that you're burning, and it's burning down, 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 and pretty soon it's going to be over, and you won't have a chance to do the things that you feel like God has put in your life. You waste time. We can waste time so easily. Paul reiterates to Timothy, listen, preach the word. Every chance you get in season and out of season. We went to Africa last March, and our flight was delayed, and my plan was to preach the word. It was, was, was going to be in season, though. I had it all mapped out. You know, We were going to get there, head out to Kevin and Angela's, I was going to share there and then on the way home share at brian's church because he always asks me to and it didn't happen that way we were delayed a day we got in we were up for hours and hours and hours uh i'd never sleep on the plane um so we get there and brian's like i and i, I couldn't say no because he picked us up at the airport or had someone pick us up and you know by the time we, and he has food there waiting for us it's like two in the morning three in the morning and i'm like All right, Brian, here's my plan. I'm going to teach next week unless you, you know, I'm explaining my whole situation to him. Unless you really want me to teach tomorrow. He goes, yeah, I think I want you to teach tomorrow. I'm like, tomorrow? I don't even know what I'm teaching, right? But the Bible says be instant, in season, and out, right? You should have the Bible on your heart all the time. should be in the word of God every day. should be there, churning. Like, what did God tell you guys this morning? Not what did I tell you guys. What did God tell you guys? Anything? should be something. That's being taught by the Word. This is merely encouraging you guys to be in the Word. Like if you're living week to week with me teaching you, good luck. You're in trouble. Right? You're in trouble. You need to be in the Word of God. He's got more to tell you than I do. I can tell you that. The word of God is living. It's powerful, it says, Hebrews tells us. Right? You need to be in it. Noah is a great example to us. Preacher of righteousness, an ark builder for his family. And one of the keys, if you go through Genesis chapter 6, you see that over and over it says, God said, And Noah did. God said it, and Noah did it. God said it, and it says, Noah did all. Didn't let the word of God fall to the ground. God's instructions for his life to build an ark. How does he know how to build an ark? God's got to tell him. What if he didn't put the pitch on it? What if he thought, you know what? That's a little too much work. I don't have the manpower to get this pitch all boiled, get it going. You know, I'll just put it in the cracks or on the inside. I'm not going to do it inside and. That's a little overkill, don't you think, God? No, it says Noah did all. You look at the life of John the Baptist, right, this miraculous birth of this couple that couldn't have children. The angel speaks, To his parents he's going to be this voice that cries in the wilderness he's going to be preparing the way of the lord he's going to be the forerunner of jesus christ right i think it's isaiah 40 that speaks of that you know when it says the word of the lord came to john the baptist says that he was in the wilderness john the baptist was living his life in the wilderness waiting to hear the next instruction from god not from a person, a pastor, a spouse. God, what's your instruction for my life? Right? Here I am. You know how many times it says in the Bible, they heard God's voice and He's they're like, here I am. Here I am. Here, here I am. Right? That needs to be our attitude. In the morning, in the afternoon, throughout our whole life. Lord, here's my life. Right? That's how God can take one man and revive a nation. Just one person. I can tell you, feelings are going to lead you astray. 100%. You ask Sarah and Abraham. They felt like God wasn't going to come through. They need to help him. Take my handmaiden. Well, that's not what the Bible, that's not what God told you, Abraham. He's going to come through. No, I don't think so. Ask Peter. Peter's like, who do men say that I am? You're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. I'm going to build my church on that, Peter. The gates of hell won't prevail. And then Jesus goes on to say, you know what, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die at the hands of men, and this is going to get bad at some point. And Jesus is like, or Peter's like, be it far from you, Lord. And then all of a sudden, from this great revelation Peter has, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Right? Because he doesn't want to see his friend, his best friend, the guy that he looks up to, he doesn't want to see him die, suffer. So in this emotional state, he's like, no, can't do it. Our feelings, your feelings, my feelings are going to lead us astray. The foundation is the Word of God every time, every second, right? James and John, Jesus gets disrespected, right? They didn't want to have him in their city. They're like, hey, you want us to call fire from heaven? Jesus is like, you don't know what spirit you're of. Like, it's okay, it's going to happen. We get so angry. The word of God is so important, and getting through this chapter is fairly important too. I'm going to race through it because things extended. So it says this, verse 2, back in 1 Samuel, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim that he could not see... And before the lamp of the Lord went out in the tabernacle, that was Eli's job is to keep the oil in the lamp of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was lying down and the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here, here I am. So he ran and Eli said, here I am for you called me. And he said, I didn't call you, go lay down. And he went and lay down. So Eli's, or Samuel's running to Eli thinking he's calling him, right? Probably all through the night, you know, he's older, going through things. He's also probably helping with the oil in the lamp. He's thinking he's calling him. And it says, "Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. And he answered and said, I did not call you, my son. Go lie down. Don't wake me up again, right? You ever have your kids come in? Go lay down. Or you pretend like me, like you don't hear them. <laughs> what? is pushing me. Go get, it's your turn. Fake a snore. (laughs) Right? It says in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, You did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. So this kid's 12 years old. I was just, the other day, there was a, uh, a conference at Finger Lakes, and I, was, I talked to Scott Gallatin, one of the, the pastor there, and I asked him about a story because I've heard Joe Foch talk about it before, that, that uh, 2001, September, we know what happened, September 11th, I think it was 2001, right? Twin Towers. Uh, um, so September like 7th, at the class, in the classrooms there at Calvary Chapel Finger Lakes, um, there's a class pastor. There's a teacher, and then there's a pastor. He might be the pastor of several classes that comes in and does devotions and different things. So the teacher says, hey, can you draw pictures for the, for the pastor and thank him? you know, and, and whatever. So all the kids are drawing crosses and rainbows and all these different things, and one of the kids, this is like two or three days before September 11th, it's like the 7th, the 6th. A kid draws a picture of two buildings, the whole city, but two buildings with airplanes flying into them, with people jumping out of the buildings, with a little, and it's, I think it's there now or was there, the, the circle with the cross at the site uh, there. This kid draws it, so Scott looks at the picture, and all these other pictures are rainbows and, and all these other things. He's like, oh, dude, I gotta talk to his dad. Like what is what is this kid thinking? This isn't like, you know, uh, a, you know, a rainbow or a cross with a dove or any, This is like like is what's this kid doing? So he talks to the dead, no, he's fine. I don't know. He just he's great, you know, loves to reads the Bible, whatever, and this kid's in second grade. Second grade, a couple days later, bam, twin towers. Like that's what happened. Like you're not. The the kids you're raising, the kids we're raising, it's very important we're pouring in the word of God, the truth of the word. You don't know if you've got a Samuel in your house. You don't know who you have. Somebody that's learning to hear the Lord themselves, to be sensitive to the Lord themselves. Not just teaching them the Bible, but living it before them. Not being a hypocrite not saying one thing and doing something else. So, this young man, God's speaking to him, getting his attention. And verse 9 says, And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Hey, go lay down, and it shall be if he calls you, you must say, Speak, Lord, your servant here. So Samuel went and laid down now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times this time he called twice Samuel Samuel and Samuel answered speak Lord your servant hears we don't have a lot a lot of time to go through it but I can tell you this your ability to hear is directly related to your willingness to obey maybe you're like well I'm not hearing from God anymore he quit speaking to me are you willing to obey because that's what Jesus wrote to the churches in Revelation He says, and they all had ears. They were all at church getting read these letters. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. They all had ears. They were all in church. But not everyone has an ear who's in church. Not everyone's listening because they're not willing to obey what the Bible says. They're not willing to change their life or do something different or make an adjustment in their life. And if you're not willing to do that, you know what? It's gonna, the, God's voice is going to be very faint to you. God's voice is going to be very faint to you. You may not hear him. So it says this, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'll do something in Israel, Israel which both the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. This is going to be a shock to everyone. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I've spoken concerning this house from the beginning all the way to the end. For I have told him, like, this is the third time it's mentioned that I've told him. I sent a man of God, and, and and now it's going to be this prophet, this young prophet, Samuel. I've already told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he didn't restrain them. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by the sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please don't hide it from me. God do so to you and more also. If you hide anything from me of all the things that he said. And it says, Samuel told him everything and he hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli says, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. What a sad state to be in. It's like, okay, fine. Fine, he can do it. You know what's amazing? That God doesn't send an enemy to tell Eli he sends a friend. If you want to go blast someone and tell them they're doing this wrong, they're doing that wrong, they've got, it's probably not your job to do. It's probably not your job. That's the way it was with David when God sends Nathan, someone he loves. That's the way it was with even Nebuchadnezzar. We talked about it last week. And Daniel has to tell him the bad news. Man, you're going to be out of your mind for a while. I wish it wasn't you, though, pal. This is what's going to happen. Right? Sometimes we need Nathans in our life someone who's willing to tell us the truth, someone who's willing to be honest with us, shoot straight with us. I, I can tell you this maybe you need to find a Nathan. Someone, because maybe there's someone that wants to tell you something, that loves you very much, cares about your life, but they're afraid of your reaction they're afraid of what you're going to tell them back maybe you need to go ask someone that you know cares about your life hey see any blind spots in my life see anything going on in my life that that i don't see cuz i could use some encouragement i could use a reality check you might need to find someone tell someone give someone one person might be your spouse your best friend, give them the open door to speak truth to you without berating them. Oh, really, you think that's who I am? What about you? Give someone the opportunity to tell you, right? So he says this, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Here's here's why the Lord was with him, why he could hear God. He says he let none of his words fall to the ground. Are you letting any of God's words fall to the ground? Something that he spoke to you, told you? And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established, a prophet of the Lord. That's as far north as you can go and as far south. They recognized it. It says, the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh, by the word of the Lord, by God's word. You think it's important? It's being reiterated over and over and over again. You could do a whole study on the word of God, the importance of it, the life of it. Last scripture, and then we're going to close quickly. Might be, I don't know, the football game's not on right away, right? No, I'm just joking. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7. We'll turn there and we'll close. If you remember, Paul wrote two letters to the Corinthians. It was a carnal church, it was a church that they were doing a lot of things that weren't good, Uh, there was adultery fornication, drunkenness, gossip. just li- and Actually, you know what? Of all those things, gossip is the thing that made the, God, the, the list that he says, I hate these things. You think, oh, I, I, I don't commit adultery. I just maybe gossip a little bit, right? It's one of the things that's on God's hate list. Well, he says this, Paul, after writing these letters, he knew how it hit these guys. He had to tell them some hard things. In verse 8, he says, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I don't regret it, although I did regret it. Man, it hurt me to have to tell you this. I don't regret it, but I did regret it. Ever feel like that? Man, someone had to say it. For I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. I had to tell you this, it made you sad, But it actually changed you. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. I had to tell you this so you change. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Stop losing, stop losing stuff that God wants to do in your life. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, and what diligence is produced in you. What clearing of yourselves, like you became diligent, you wanted to clear Your name and who you have been. What indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. And in all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. We stopped. You didn't prove yourself like to everyone else. that No, that wasn't me. No, you stopped doing it. You stopped acting that way. Treating people that way. Therefore, although I write to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear, you know, that you, it, he said, I said this, so you know I care, I didn't want to hurt your feelings, not looking to make you feel bad, but if you keep going down this road, you're going to feel a lot more than bad, going down a dangerous path, right? Right? they had to change course right and I think we'll close here uh, I don't know God's got a path for your life it's found in the Word of God you want to know how to feel about situations what to what you need what your thoughts need to be about something it's found right here all things God has given us the Bible says in Peter that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness how do you live your life how do you become how do you, how What does it look like to be a man, a husband, a father, provider? It's right here. A wife. Mom. Someone that keeps her home, maybe. It's found right here.